Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I've been a national part. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Park Ranger for close to two decades. Protocols have changed a lot in that time. I write this just to try to keep people safe for the next time you venture to the big outdoors. Let me tell you about the last park I worked. I can't be too specific about the location for my job's sake. Anyway, we had clusters of campsites that we rotated annually. The idea was to prevent one group from getting overused and worn down, let nature regrow a little bit. The winter had just passed, and our big summer season was a few months away. I'm set out to check the suitability of the campsites to decide which ones need time to recover and which ones we can open up. Winters here are cold. Not too many people camp during the winter aside from rugged masochists and Boy Scout troops lead by people who believe they are rugged masochists. I didn't expect to find much out of the ordinary. The first site was clear and ready to go. As I'm trekking to the next site, I see what looks like some debris and junk down a ways in a river valley. Looks like some jackasses set up an unauthorized camp down there. Usually when that happens, they leave garbage and smoldering fires. This is going to be a pain to clear up. I approach, seeing the telltale wreckage of what must have been one hell of a party. Shit scattered everywhere. The skeletons of tents still raised up. And blood. I stop and time stops with me. Pools of blood are spread out along the ground next to signs of something heavy being dragged into the brush. I pull my radio off my belt and pause. I then pull my Glock 22 out of my holster and rack one round. I'm a certified law enforcement officer, but I haven't had to use my gun in a long time. I quickly look around for any movement, then get on my radio and call in for backup. While I wait, I listen. Silence. Silence in nature isn't good. Pray get quiet when they sense a predator. I hope all the birds are being still on my account. 
I edge forward slowly, looking for anyone or anything. A shredded plastic cooler. A tent that has been annihilated with more blood splashed on the walls and inside. People died here. I know it. You can't lose that much blood and just walk off. But no people. Shreds of clothes and a little viscera drawing all the goddamn flies here. But no people. I've seen bears rummage through camps and destroy anything that looked edible. There are wild hogs here that cut trails through the deep brush and are even more dangerous than the bears. But this isn't either of them. The devastation here, it's just too much. Some scourge of God came through here and just ripped everything to pieces. Finally backup arrives and I'm sent to report to HQ. They even brought medics out here. I don't know why. There's no one here to save. One of the new recruits vomits at the scene. I'm glad to get the hell out of here. I get back and HQ is a buzz. Only four people work here, but calls are ringing, printers printing, and the air feels electrified. The manager sees me and signals me to his office. He's pale, ashen-looking with bloodshot eyes. I sit down by his desk, and he goes to the door and locks it. I've never seen him lock that door. He asks me what I saw. I tell him uninterrupted. He looks even paler afterward, and his hands tremble a bit. There's a very long pause, and I expect more questions. He doesn't ask any. I leave, then hear the door lock behind me. After a few minutes, I hear him call someone up, and a long, low conversation ensues. I never see him again. Word comes down from on high. We're assigned a new manager, one who excels at what he calls crises, his first order of business. A controlled burn of the unauthorized camp and the sites closest to it. I'm not arguing. I watch the smoke rise in the distance and pray that's the end of it. New orders. Relocate the existing campsites closer to HQ. Before we do that, we stake out a few trail cameras at the new locations just to make sure it's not in the middle of a nesting ground. We put up a few cameras pointed at the hog trails through the brush for good measure. A couple days pass, and we go out to collect the footage. The new manager takes it all and starts studying it in his office. A couple hours into reviewing, he freaks out, starts screaming and yelling, gets on the phone calling up the line, spitting more obscenities. He spends the rest of the day and that night in the office calling up specialists and planners. Next morning, I show up for a meeting. Manager doesn't look like he slept. Massive changes afoot. He lays out our new plan, including massively bright lampposts circling the park border as well as floodlights around the ranger station. Campsites need to be moved even closer in, clear lines of sight from the light, if possible. I butt in, telling him that defeats the point of going camping. If you're just going on a short walk through the grass, then setting up so close you can see the parking lot. He tells me to shut up, that it's just the start. The park now closes at sundown, sharp. Also, we're now required to have a long gun on our person at all times. Now it isn't uncommon for rangers to carry an AR-15 or a Remington 870 shotgun going out in the deep woods. There are wild and rabid animals out there. The real concern are massive pot growers. These aren't your chill neighbor who hides a few plants behind the tomatoes. They run the spectrum from large-scale suppliers who like their privacy and dislike law enforcement to anti-government crazies who think we have no right over them, the true patriots. Both groups have a few common points. They tend to be well-armed, they do not like lawmen, and they won't shy away from taking a pot shot at some dumb poor ranger who finds himself in their field. Keep in mind, Elliot Nessmister. I fought Al Capone and one got scared off busting up Appalachian moonshiners because they constantly sniped at him in the foothills. They shoot to kill. Those are the reasons we keep the big guns around, not routine patrols. I drew the short straw and got the overnight shift. Manager tells me more changes to protocol will be listed when I return. Overnights used to be easy. Monitor the radios. Bust up the parties if needed. Check for poachers if they are operating nearby. Make sure the forest doesn't burn down. 
I clock in and, per instructions, go to the gun cage. Now things have changed. Our shotguns have new rifled barrels so they can handle the solid slugs we've been issued. That's the kind of firepower you want to take down a charging bear. God forbid you ever need it. The AR-15s have been stepped up, too. The old 15-round magazines have been replaced by 30-round ones. Someone even snuck us in hollow-point rounds. Makes no damn sense. Shooting in the woods, you need full metal jacket ammo so the rounds don't go wild when they touch a twig. Hollow points just exist to do more tissue damage. This is ridiculous. This is overkill. We're not a war zone. We don't need this firepower. Next to the radio, there are new instructions. Now we're not allowed to directly respond to emergency calls. We can reply, figure out what the issue is, then we report to a new phone number I don't recognize. Time passes slowly tonight. I'm not even allowed to leave the building until sunup. A few uneventful nights pass. The new floodlights and lamp posts are frying my eyes. It's so bright out there, a blind man could see. A week later, some kids roll into the lot. They grab their backpacks and start hiking up the ridge. I know what they're up to. No one has booked a campsite that night. Cheap young ones going on a campout that will be a raging party. I wait for the sun to go down, confirming they're not out for a day hike. I call my manager to report. He instructs me to call the new number. I report up to them now. A curt voice answers the phone. He asks my park, then pauses. He asks the issue. Bunch of kids on an unauthorized site. Do I go break it up? I can see their campfire at the ridge right now. No. Do not leave the building. Do not attempt communication. That is all. Report if there are any developments. Right after daybreak, the manager rides up. It's real early. Have you seen them? Did they leave? No. The car's still there. Let them rest. They're probably all hungover. He curses nonstop. He then goes inside to make a call. I'm outside looking up the ridge when he exits the station. One AR-15 in his hand, another one strapped across his back, Glock on his hip. He marches single-mindedly toward his car. I try to ask him what in God's name he's doing, but he isn't listening or responding. He takes a jerry can of gasoline from his car and marches up the ridge. I yell after him to no reply. I consider following him, but that doesn't seem like a good idea. I go back inside and call the number. The same curt voice. The same direct questions. Yeah, the manager went up to that campsite, armed to the teeth and carrying gasoline. What the F did I do? Stay there. Do not interfere. Backup is inbound. Report if there are any developments. About the same time I start to see smoke wafting off the ridge, two vans ride into the lot at a screaming speed. A dozen men, heavily armed and armored, exit quickly. I go out to check. Who are you guys? What's going on? The men are all lined up with that impeccable military precision. One of them, a commander, I assume, exists the vehicle last. He says, which direction did he go? I mean, he's up there. I point at the increasing smoke. The men fan out and start jogging up the ridge. I hear rifles cocking as they leave. I try to shout after them, but no response. I look at the vans they came in. Large, nondescript. They just say to their response team on the side. Half an hour later, they return, dragging the manager with them. He is bound in zip ties. He screams. I did what needed to be done. Trust me, it's worse than they thought. We can't stop this. Burn it all. They throw him in the back and sedate him. The commander approaches me. My neck hairs bristle in cold fear. I need to see the office. All computers and anything with a hard drive is coming with me. He mentioned videotapes. I need those too. I unlock the doors and they ransack the place. Everything gets taken. Printed reports from the last few years disappear into those vans. The videotapes get bagged up and held by the commander himself. He studies the gun cage. Cute. You're out of your league, he scoffs. Finally, they found everything they looked for. The commander tells me, call the number. Tell them it's contained. You need a new superior. 
also don't talk about this to anyone. They leave, and just on cue, the fire brigade and a few news vans show up. The fire is contained, these reports say. Rumors of missing campers are unsubstantiated at this time. Still, the rumors alone are enough to scare of this season's campers. The quick change-up of managers is chalked up to bureaucracy. The press dies down after a week or two. The new manager is very good at dealing with them. Thankfully, with no new campers and our now even shorter open hours, we can get more work done around here. Rebuilding the station took some time, and we just set up the new campsites. They're practically spitting distance from the station. Nothing dramatic happens for a few days. Then on a whim, the manager tells us to set up some cameras around the station and the campsites. There's usually so much human activity around here, all you see are some raccoons. Maybe the rare hungry bear, but we humor him and set them up all around. Couple of days pass. We collect the footage. I play poker with one of the rookies while the manager watches hours of footage of an empty but brilliantly illuminated parking lot. Then he gets to the footage around the station. Screams come from the office. We barge in and he's stamping on the camera hard drives, gibbering things I can't understand. Along the lines of told me it was clean, safe, no recent activity. Bullshit here, I'm not gonna do it. He barks at us to leave. Later, he makes a call. Rookie goes up to the door and listens in. Rookie comes back reporting. Yeah, he's demanding a transfer. Says they lied to him. Something about they didn't do their jobs properly. He's not prepared or equipped here. Then I just heard the phone click and some sobbing. Hours later, my manager exits the office. His shoulders are slumped, defeated. We cut our hours even further, practically open on weekends only. We'll have a full staff ready those days, but a skeleton crew the rest of the time. Campers are required to check in to one of the closest sites. No campsite and they're told to leave. We are not authorized to leave the station after dark under any circumstances. In an emergency, do not call 911. Call the number and do exactly what they say. We draw straws for who gets overnight shifts. Why we need to stay overnight if we can't do anything is beyond me. I asked the manager about it, and he just said that standard protocol is to have someone on hand to report any irregularities overnight. I have to work my overnight shift. I keep my phone close, the number dialed in, ready if I need to call. It is a bad night. I just wind up pacing around with my shotgun, glancing into the bright floodlights, trying to see what's past them. I hear crickets and it relaxes me. Prey is quiet when predators are around. It is a long night. The next night, my manager draws the short straw. He seems resigned. In the end, we all have to take a turn. He brings the brightest damn tactical flashlight I've ever seen. Said he bought it just because he's afraid of the dark. He isn't really. He's afraid of the things in the dark. I get a phone call at 3 a.m. It's him. Get over here now, and bring guns. Why, you have a damn arsenal. Now. Oh, I swear to God, I messed up. Oh, man, I think they're attracted to the light. I called that number, and all they said was backup would be here in the morning. Oh, Feff, gee, damn. I hear the piercing staccato of gunshots. A pause. More gunshots. Screaming. Scuffling. The line goes dead. I call the number. A new terse voice answers. Look, I work at X Park. I just got off the phone with a E. I just spoke with X. What can you report? Something bad happened. It's serious. I heard gunshots. We will have backup there as soon as possible. Did he say anything else? Yeah, he said he thought they were attracted to the light. Doesn't make sense to me. Interesting. Thank you for your report. The park is now closed. You will be reassigned. Goodbye. Click. Officially, the park was closed to be scheduled for a controlled burn. Let the old trees die and make room for new ones. There was nothing in the official report about what happened to the manager on duty. The public understanding was bureaucracies need to be shaken up on occasion. No one asked any more questions. I get transferred to a new park halfway across the country. Change of scenery and beautiful. 
They've got some odd rules here, too. Don't go far after dark and don't carry a flashlight. I'm concerned about why. Why can't you use a flashlight at night when you need one? They won't tell me. Be safe, everyone. I was a national park ranger. Here are some of the things I encountered. Soy there. I'm Samantha Sam. And I was park ranger for six years. I won't specify where, as I don't want to get in trouble. One of the people I worked with told me to read the other park ranger stories on here, so I, I thought I'd give it a shot and shit it. Is it good to see someone being honest? It inspired me to share some of my own stories. People need to know what happens in the woods. I quit my job a couple years ago. I couldn't deal with having to bottle up all the things I've seen. No, body wants to talk about them, but I feel I'm drowning in the memories of it all. So I'm going to share them. I don't know if I'll be able to share it all. It might be too hard, but I'll give it a go. I hope this raises some awareness of the true danger of the woods and make people consider their safety. I don't want people to think I'm copying someone or making these things up. I'm just sharing my stories and experiences. Let's get into it. This was my first ever weird experience as a junior ranger. To this day, I still don't know what I saw, but I know it wasn't friendly. I just received a call about a screams coming from deeper in the forest off one of the more popular trails. This really wasn't unusual if you've heard a mountain lion. You know it sounds like a women screaming. So just as I was about to set off my chief at the time asked to come along, I found this a little odd as the job seemed a bit too insignificant for his rank. But I brushed it off as I was new and thought maybe he wanted to check my progress. We set off making small talk and I was obviously trying to suck up a little. We were joking around he made a quick remark and said something about making sure that I take even these small jobs seriously because you'll never know what you'll find. And that was some of the most valuable advice I've gotten from someone on this job because I learned my lesson from not listening to it but that's different story. We get to the area where the call was and begin north of the trail where the noise had been heard. We hear the screams and it sounds like a mountain lion, but something sounds really off about it, but we keep walking towards it. We're about 10 minutes into walking towards the sound when all of a sudden it's like all the sound had been sucked from the woods. It was dead silent. I couldn't even hear my breathing. I thought maybe I'd gone deaf, but I look at my chief, and he had the same nervous expression on his face as I did, but by the way he was reacting it, felt as if he had dealt with something similar before, which I now know to be true. Just as quick as the silence came, I started to hear this low buzzing, but it wasn't just buzzing. I could feel the vibration of it in the whole body so much so that my ears and jaws started to hurt. I can only describe it as if when you are getting your teeth drilled in at the dentist, but it felt even worse. Even my vision started to vibrate, and as that happened, I swear I had this black figure about seven feet tall step out from a few trees in front of me and started with that same scream as it bent down and began to crawl towards us. As anyone would, I freaked the F out and stepped back to start running. My chief grabs my arm very hard just as I start to sprint, almost knocking me over. He puts his other arm around me and holds my arms very tight as he begins to walk me out of the forest. Just as I'm about to put up a fight and tell him to run, he says in a very calm voice, Don't run. Don't talk. Don't look back. Just keep walking. And I did exactly what he said. He knew something I didn't, and as much as I wanted to run, I didn't want to test the theory of death. That ten-minute walk was excruciating because I knew it was crawling behind us by the buzzing in the back of my head and the sound of its light wailing. I wanted to run so bad. Eventually, I think it ran off because all the noise in the forest came back and the buzzing stopped. We get back on the trail and I'm shaking. I was in so much shock, I couldn't even cry. He lets go of me and begins walking back to main base without acknowledging what happened. 
I start going crazy and screaming at him, asking what the hell that was, and he says, and yes, I remember word for word what he said. There are things in these woods that have been here longer than us that we can't explain or get rid of. If you don't think you can handle it, you should pack your bags now. He kept walking, and I walked a bit behind, trying to shake that horrible feeling and tried to find a reasonable answer for what just happened. I clearly stayed in the job. When it was good, it was really good. I met some amazing people, and I love nature. But in the end, the bad experiences outweighed the good, and I had to leave. I wish I had left when he told me to pack my bags in all honesty. I know this experience doesn't sound all that scary, but trust me, there are worse ones. Living through it was definitely much scarier than reading it in words. Clearly, this first encounter wasn't enough to scare me off, but the ones to come led to my departure of this job. Some experiences are scarier, but some are more explainable. I'm still debating whether to share the rest of my stories. Maybe I'll see how I feel after posting this. I'd love to hear other people's experiences with the woods. Part 2. A lot of people seem to be interested in the stairs found in the woods. Let me just start by saying that I have seen a set of stairs in the woods once, and personally, it wasn't all too scary, just a bit creepy. I know a couple of my friends back in the forest, a force to be reckoned with. Have some stories about stairs, ones that they've mentioned in minor detail, but I want to share my experience first, and when and if I decide to contact them and get their permission. Maybe I'll post about it. I do, however, have a story about a ladder that I wish I could forget is just thinking about it gives me the creeps. My experience with stairs is pretty tame, so I'll add another incident after it. We were doing a search for a young girl who had wandered off. We found her. She's fine. The team was stretched out pretty far, so I was walking by myself, but was in shouting distance of people. As I was walking, I found a set of stairs. These stairs sort of looked like they belonged here, but also didn't. They seemed overgrown, and like they would have been the steps up to someone's house. But then I realized that there is no way someone could have put these here, and that I had come across a set of the stairs that my other co-worker had touched upon. I thought I'd feel more terrified if I ever came across a pair, but I really didn't. I had this urge to walk up them, though, like something was pulling my body towards them. Maybe it was excitement of coming across the phenomenon or some dark shit at work, I don't know. Someone near me called that they had found something and I was snapped back to reality. I'm really glad someone called out. I'm not sure if I would have walked up them otherwise. We found the girl and all was well, but on the walk back I told one of my partners that I had seen some stairs. She looked at me concerned and kind of aggressively interrogated me to know if I touched or walked up them. I said no, and that was it. So yeah, pretty tame. Nothing too intense wish I had more to say about them. But I'm not going to lie or overemphasis anything on here. This next occurrence isn't about stairs, but it is about a ladder, and I'd say they're pretty similar. This was somewhere into my first year as a national park ranger and around the start of summer poison. Ivy tends to get pretty crazy, so we have to do weekly checks on the trails and the bush surrounding them. My partner and I get sent off to check some of the less popular trails. We get to this part on a smaller trail where it forks off for a couple minutes and then joins back at the end, being the idiots we were. We split to then meet back up where it connects again. Keep in mind, we could make each out from the bush that sits in the middle of the path. No biggie, right? He takes the left, and I take the right of the trail as I'm walking along the path, keeping a cautious eye at the surrounding bush. Looking for some ivy, I notice something in the corner of my eye. I look to my right to see this large clearing in the middle of the trees. It looked like a man-made circle. It was so perfectly round as if someone had been maintaining it. There wasn't a tree, not a bush, not even a weed. I was so focused on the ground and lack of flora, I almost didn't notice the giant unmissable ladder. I clearly didn't have great observational skills, standing exactly in the middle of the circle. 
I seriously cannot explain this, but the latter was standing upright, leaning against nothing. It was like some unknown force was holding it up. I looked all the way up and saw on top stood a man in a business suit. I know this sounds almost funny, but this guy looked like he had just walked straight out of a corporate building. Upon further inspection, I could see that his head was hanging back, looking up towards the sky. His mouth appeared to be gaped open, but I couldn't get a good look. I called up to him a few times, but no response. I walked around the ladder trying to find some strings attached to it in hopes this was some prank or a weird art project, but I couldn't. This guy looked like he was on display for some art exhibition. I didn't know what to do, and I couldn't see my partner through the bushes, so I radioed him to come to my location. But in the meantime, I stupidly decided to touch the ladder. I know you're all probably mad that I went to touch the ladder. I am too. Don't touch weird shit you find in the woods. But I was still new and naive. I get this weird feeling just as I'm about to touch the ladder. But I brush it off as just being spooked, and I touch it. The man at the top snaps his neck in this disturbingly contorted way to look towards me and gives out this ungodly gasp, like he was taking his last breath of air. His expression is still gaped, but I've never seen something quite like this. It was like his eyelids and lips had been pulled back to make him seem more surprised. I stepped back, of course, and grabbed my taser from my side. I heard rustling behind me and turned to stick my taser on whatever coming for me, but it was just my partner emerging from the bush who put his hands up quickly in hopes to not be tased. I look back to the circle and the ladder is now flat on the floor and the man is gone. My partner asked what was was going on and I explained what happened and begged him to not think I was crazy. Of course he didn't think that. He knew just as well as I did that this stuff was basically normal and happened all the time. We knew we wouldn't find this guy, but it's still protocol to look anyway, which I didn't enjoy one bit. I was praying we wouldn't find him. Never saw something like this again, and neither has anyone I've ever talked to. I mean, this guy was balancing on the very top of a ladder that wasn't leaning against anything. Who knows? Maybe I met Houdini or something. When you see things like this, you have to make some sort of joke about it, or you won't be able to move past it. I'm really glad people are enjoying what I have to say. Again, don't know when I'll write more. Don't expect too much from me. This is kind of tiring, but also pretty cathartic. I'm thinking of also sharing some of the less spooky stories, and one that are just humans being mental. I actually saw two Bigfoot in my life. I'm 57 years old and I saw my first one when I was deer hunting up in northern Michigan about 18 miles outside of Alpena in the autumn of 2015. I was actually able to watch him with binoculars at about 150 yards for about 45 minutes. He was in the middle of a power line going back and forth and through the woods. I got a really good look at him for a really long time. When I saw my second Bigfoot, I was actually about 35 feet away from him. It was in September of 2020 in Tyler County, Texas. It's just a little blip on the map. It was actually off on the shoulder of the road. It was during one of those full moons, so there was a lot of deer out on the road. I was cautious as to what I was doing. Now I was driving around a curve, and I saw this great big thing out on the shoulder of the road. This guy was all white and I hit my bright lights on him, and he actually rose up and turned around and looked at me. I was 35 feet away from him when he was looking right at me. This was a Bigfoot without question. He was eating something also. He didn't pay any attention to me. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. I was the only... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I went out there on the road, and there wasn't anywhere for me to pull over because it was on a curve. I tried to get a photo of him from inside the truck, but the flash from the camera reflected off against the window, and I wasn't able to get an image. But this guy, I would say he wasn't fully standing when he turned around and looked at me. But I would say he goes about seven and a half, maybe eight feet. My guess is probably around 600 pounds. He was a big animal. And he actually rose right up, and he turned his torso right at me, and he looked at me. As he was coming up to me at 35 feet, I got a perfect view of him. So that's my two Bigfoot stories right there. The first one I saw was when I was 14 years old, when I was deer hunting up in northern Michigan, and I was able to watch him for about 45 minutes with binoculars. The Bigfoot that I saw when I was young at 14 was actually on the other side of the river. Thunder Bay River was between me and him. Now, I spent an awful amount of time in the woods when I was younger, and I could track just about any animal there was. I used to stalk deer and stuff, so I was really good at what I did. But I never saw any tracks in the woods that were for a Bigfoot. Now, this guy was going back and forth like he was picking something up out where the power line was and taking it back in the woods. He went back and forth maybe 15 or 20 times, and then all of a sudden, he stopped and looked directly at me. And then he walked back in the woods, and I didn't see him after that, so he must have sensed that I was there or something. That one I saw in Texas was September during the full moon. Like I said, he was 30, five feet away from me. As best I could tell, other than his facial features, which he had a little bit of black on his face, sort of like a monkey, the rest of his body, from what I could see, was all white. His eyes did not appear to be orangish or reddish like an albino normally would. They were greenish in the light. It was definitely a Bigfoot. There was no question about that. I guess he must have been eating a deer or something on the shoulder of the road because he didn't seem to be phased when I went by him. I looked back in my mirror, and he was still there. My experience was in western North Carolina in the Great Smoky Mountains, an area I know you're familiar with. I used to go into the National Park at least once a month during the summer. I found this very nice camp spot about three-quarters of a mile in, it was close to Lake Santiatla, and Santiatla Creek was a good place to catch trout. I set up my camp, and I made sure to hang my food up since there are black bears out there. I got everything all set up, and then I grabbed my gear, and I hit the creek. I got three nice-sized trout and headed back to camp. I figured I'd hang around in my chair, drink a few beers, and just chill out. It was still mid-afternoon. I hadn't seen a soul since I entered the park. I get back to my camp, and my food stash is all over the place. Just wrappers and trash lying all over the campsite, but the cans are still there, untouched. At first, I thought that something had managed to get up there and rip open the mesh bag, maybe a raccoon or something. But then I saw the rope I had tied. It was untied, and the mesh bag wasn't ripped either. It made me scratch my head a bit, but I kind of shrugged, thinking it was a good thing that I had caught some fish. Later that night, I was sitting at my campfire, feeling lazy after dinner, when I heard this weird noise. It was a clacking sound, like two stones being hit together. At first, I thought it was a branch snapping, but no, it was definitely a rock. On rock, clack, clack, clack. I'm a little weirded out at this point, but maybe a little more puzzled than anything. But then the sound moved to the other side of the woods. It was on my left now. Then a few minutes later, it was on my right. The same thing, clack, clack, clack. Then it was coming from behind me. Now I'm really freaked. 
I stood up and looked around. I was getting the heebie-jeebies. I just piled more wood on the fire to make it brighter and had another beer to settle my nerves. It stayed quiet for quite a while. I started dozing in my chair and I decided it was time to turn in. The fire had burned down pretty low so I didn't douse it with water. I just got into my tent. After a while I needed to relieve myself. It was almost dawn and there was a little light coming through the trees. I slipped on my boots, didn't tie them, and just walked maybe ten feet into the woods. When I saw something move, I just froze. There was something standing in the trees about twenty feet away, and it stood upright like a person. But there's no way in hell it was a man. It was too big for one, and it was furry, kind of like a gorilla with its back to me. I never really believed all those stories about a hairy man-creature roaming the woods, but here this beast is right in front of my eyes, exactly like I've always heard it described. I don't know what else it could have been except a Bigfoot. I'm really scared while trying to be quiet, but it must have heard me breathing or something because all of a sudden it turned around and stared straight at me. Its face wasn't hairy at all. It looked like a man, but more primitive, like a caveman. But its eyes are what really freaked me out. They were red like a demon's eyes. My heart was pounding. I tried to back up slowly. I backed up maybe three steps before the thing made any noise, and then it growled really menacingly, and I just lost it. I ran like hell. I needed to get somewhere safe, so I ran back down the trail in the direction of the truck. I had to stop behind the tree to catch my breath and check my shoes. That's when I listened. I didn't think it followed me. I didn't hear anything, but I didn't waste any time running again and onto my truck. I stayed in the truck with the doors locked, but I didn't go to sleep. When morning came, I felt safer, and I hadn't seen anything further. I made the decision to go back to the campsite and collect all my gear. I was half afraid the tent would be shredded or something. But no, everything was just like I had left it. I looked around for footprints, thinking if I could find a print and take a photo, I'd have proof. But I never found anything. I'm not sure I'll be camping in that forest anytime soon. The desert stretched out before me, a vast and desolate landscape that seemed to go on forever. The only companions on this lonely highway were the endless rows of cacti standing like silent sentinels under the unforgiving sun. I was a long-haul trucker, accustomed to the solitude of the open road, but this stretch of desert felt different, like it held secrets buried beneath the shifting sands. As I cruised down the seemingly endless highway, the crackling static of my Kibi radio interrupted my thoughts. The eerie sound sent shivers down my spine, but I couldn't ignore it. I reached for the microphone, adjusting the frequency to pinpoint the source of the signal. The voice that emanated from the speaker was distorted and haunting, like a whisper from a ghostly past. Help, please, someone, help me. I furrowed my brow, my heart pounding as I listened to the faint, desperate pleas for assistance. It was as if the voice came from another time, another world, and it sent a chill down my spine. Without thinking, I responded, this is truck 33. I hear you. Where are you? What's your location? The voice crackled back, filled with urgency. I don't know where I am. It's dark. I can't see anything. Please help me. My grip on the steering wheel tightened as I followed the radio signal my curiosity and concern growing with each passing mile. The voice guided me deeper into the heart of the desert, and I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being lured into something inexplicable, something beyond my understanding. As I continued down the lonely road, my headlights cutting through the darkness, I suddenly saw it. There, on the road before me, stood a creature unlike anything I'd ever seen. It was enormous, probably about eight feet tall, with dark gray fur and hints of brown, as if it had been dusted by the desert sands. Its mane resembled that of a male lion, but the hair around its body and legs was shorter, matted, and coarse. 
My heart raced as I beheld the creature walking upright on its back legs. It had a humanoid form, but it wasn't human. Its eyes glowing a menacing yellow locked onto mine. I knew what I was seeing, or at least I thought I did. It looked like a dogman, the mythical creature of urban legends and terrifying tales. I slammed on the brakes, bringing my truck to a screeching halt. The dogman continued to observe me, its eyes piercing through the darkness. Time seemed to stand still as I stared into the abyss of its gaze. Minutes passed, but it felt like hours. Then, without warning, the creature dropped to all fours and sprinted towards my truck with terrifying speed. Panic surged through me, and I instinctively slammed my foot on the gas pedal. The engine roared to life, and the truck surged forward just as the dogman leaped toward it. I heard a thud and a pained howl as the creature fell away, and I dared not look back. I drove on, my heart racing, my mind reeling from the impossible encounter. The voice on the radio had gone silent, and I was left with a sense of dread that clung to me like a shadow. I knew one thing for certain. I would never stop again. Not in the darkness of the desert, not when the night held such nightmare secrets. The open road was my only refuge, and I would keep driving, leaving the haunting whispers of the past behind me in the rearview mirror, a chilling memory of a night I could never forget. While training at Fort Carson, one night a Marine and his team were way out in the field when they noticed what appeared to be blood-red eyes on something very large and dark. The men instantaneously switched their flashlights from floodlight mode to beam mode, but this did little to decrease the size of the object, which now turned away from them at high speed once it realized its attention was being drawn to it. From that day on, any time somebody mentioned or asked about coyotes in that area, they were told no, not here, too big. The men reported about seeing large canine hybrid creatures, which is why it was such a shock. These creatures were four to five feet tall, had short red fur with large legs and paws. Their eyes were glowing red in the dark, and they moved very fast according to the men's description. These creatures looked like a mix between dogs and coyotes, but were much larger than either of them, probably about twice as large. According to the military personnel who work at the base, they've been told there were no such hybrid animals in the area, although these men would never admit to seeing anything so strange. They wanted it known that these creatures do exist and could still be living on Fort Carson today. Other stories include Marines getting attacked by these large creatures, which they say were very humanoid in nature, but were not human. One story comes from an ex-Marine, who claimed that he was at a certain location with his commanding officer, and they heard a strange animal-like shriek. He said the creature was large, very fast, moving like a blur. The officer informed him to not worry about it and did not say a word. He said that many of his colleagues speak of these creatures in private, but refuse to talk about them when in the company of others, especially if they're higher-ups. This Marine claims that there have been sightings of these creatures on numerous occasions, and that they are very real. He is not the only one with stories like this, either, as many Marines have had similar sightings and experiences, but refuse to speak up about them. My siblings and I grew up hearing hairy man stories. My mother, Claire O.D. Anderson Roberts, is almost 90 years old and still has a sharp mind. She lives in the Jackson Healthcare Facility and can tell you these things herself. When she was young, a black man named Dan Scruggs lived near Uncle Tom Purvis' place on the other side of Friendship, a community which was between Coffeyville and the Witch Creek area. One day, he left his house to go to a nearby spring, taking his gun with him. A short time later, he arrived back at his home, running and out of breath. He was very frightened and could only say, Hairy man, hairy man. As he had neared the spring, he saw a hairy man there. And he left in such haste that he left his gun there near the spring. 
One day, Mother's oldest brother, Chandler Anderson and Elmore Bedwell, were returning to their home after having visited the Roberts family who lived in the area. About halfway between the Roberts place and the Ida Bedwell place, they saw a hairy man sitting on a log that was over a ravine. I suspect they lost no time getting to their respective homes. This also happened when Mother was young. I'm wondering if other relatives or descendants of the people who actually saw the hairy man might also have heard the stories told and passed down in their families. My oldest sister, Inez, remembers Grandma Anderson, my mother's mother, telling her something that happened when Grandma's oldest child, Chalmers, was a baby. Grandma said she was walking to a relative's house and carrying Uncle Chalmers, and she walked up on a big hairy ape sitting on a log and holding its head with its hands. When Grandma walked up, it just got up and ambled off into the woods. Grandma said she figured it must have escaped from a circus somewhere and that it may have been sick. Could this have been a hairy man or a Bigfoot? The baby, my uncle, who was being carried, was born December. 30, 1907, so Grandma's encounter with the big hairy ape was probably around 1908. All of these sightings occurred in the Friendship area. From when I was little, I've started to see what seems like a white creature with yellow eyes. I could see this thing when I was at my grandma's house. In my city, when it was night and I was taking a walk or even in my corridor at home for a few seconds with a corner of my eyes. This thing is tall and he's always smiling. He appears even in my sleep paralysis, nightmares, lucid dreams, and even what I can call peaceful dreams. When I was little, I was staying at my grandma's house every summer, and at age of four or five, I've started seeing things. But not something. Wow, just little shape glowing, and then they randomly disappeared. And I could hear voices like they were in a place with echo. I didn't give them too much attention, but then he appeared, and it freaked me out. It was night. I know it was past zero, and I was in my grandma's room watching TV with her because I didn't have one in my room. There are three houses in the same yard, all ours. The fridge was in another house, so I went to grab an ice cream, but I froze just before I entered that house because I heard something breathe. My dogs were not there. They were at my other grandma, my mom's mother. I started crying instantly, and I looked to the right side to see what it is. He was just staring at me with a big smile, showing his teeth and those yellow eyes. He was much taller than me. He didn't harm me after a few seconds. He just started to walk in the backyard, and I couldn't see him anymore because it was too dark. I forgot about the ice cream and ran inside the house. I've told my parents, but Q didn't believe me. I've told my grandma that night, too, and she just stared at me in shock, then told me to go to sleep. After this encounter, I started seeing him, but in real life, not for so many times as I see him in my dreams. If someone can tell me what this thing is, or if someone encountered him too, please tell me anything you know because it's getting on my nerves. Then here are the growls. Where my grandma lives, there are rumors about ghosts, a witch and something like a big black dog. I mentioned nobody will go out of their houses after zero because of these rumors. At the age of 13, I was at my grandma's house with my cousin playing Don't Get Angry, Brother, and he had the brilliant idea to go out on the empty street just because he was ready to show me. The rumors are fake. Like a stupid kid I was, I went with him and we took a walk. We were on the street for a while. But we were also tired, so we decided to go back, and he was just laughing at me because I was scared of those. Obviously fake rumors who are meant to keep us inside and be good kids. On our way back, we saw the dog. My cousin thought he was a wolf, but I started shaking because I sensed something bad. And I was thinking wolves go in packs, right? That's what my teacher told us, so why was this one alone? We froze when he turned at us. It was just so big, and his eyes were black. We stood there for a few minutes, but they seemed like hours. He was just staring at us, and we were staring back, and I was ready to run if he would move towards us. Then he just vanished. 
He did not walk in other directions, did not run, just vanished while he stared at us, but not like he was getting invisible, just darker, like he was fading. And we couldn't see him anymore. We got back to my grandma and we told him. Then she told us a story about my grandpa. He encountered the dog too, but he was in his car and the dog just appeared out of nowhere and started running after him, but my grandma told us he said the dog was running awkwardly, like kind of human, but yes, he had four legs. When Grandpa was near the house, the dog just vanished. My problem here is, after I saw him, I started hearing random growls when there was no dogs near me, even in my house or at my boyfriend's house. I hear them two or three times per year, and if my boyfriend is around, he's hearing them too. Those growls sounds like a pack of big dogs who are growling at the same time, but they sound so intense. I'm writing here because I'm looking for information, and just before I got here to write, I heard the growl in my apartment. My parents are sleeping, and they didn't hear them, I think, but I did, and I'm freaked out. I'm staying with my lights on in my room, and I close the door, which leads to balcony too. My story of what is apparently a Wendigo, even though I don't think it really was, I don't really quite believe the Wendigo legend, but I believe the creatures exist. Reposted here because someone in the comments told me to recount my incident. Okay, this happened years ago, but it still stuck with me for so long. I've explained this many times before already, and the whole thing has even been narrated on one of those scary stories YouTube channels. So I'm just going to be plain and simple and avoid more unnecessary details. I woke up one morning to the sound of my open screen window being scratched at, coupled with heavy raspy breathing. I turned over on my stomach and looked out at the window from over my bed. The window was right behind my head when I slept. What I saw in my window was an incredibly pale and thin humanoid being. I couldn't make out a nose or ears, but the eyes were the most captivating because they were shining and looking around my room. I could have sworn they glowed a slight blue color, but that's cliche and I know that animals' eyes can't really do that. It had thin lips, if you can even call them lips, and a very long bone, thin arm with long fingers that were lightly and periodically scratching the screen. Not like it was trying to tear through it, but that it was just making noise. I don't think it ever saw me, or I didn't see it notice me, but I sprang out of bed after I got a look at it and hid shaking on my couch until morning. A few months later that summer, I went camping. Right before everyone got into their tents, everyone froze stiff when a long, echoing scream rang through the forest. Nobody could tell how close it sounded. It sounded like a mix between a person, couldn't tell if man or woman, mixed with an animal. It was like two or more voices were blended together into the same pitch, a kind of Frankenstein voice. Frankenstein scream! I know some people might tell me maybe it was a fox or a mountain lion or something. I wanted it to be. I was camping with some very experienced woodsy guys, and they told me that it wasn't like anything they'd ever heard before. Even then, I looked up what foxes and cougars sound like when they scream as soon as I could, and they sound distinctly canine and feline. If I heard them now, I would immediately be able to tell, and I recall that it sounded nothing like them. Everyone got into their tents anyway and tried to sleep. That night, apparently, as my dad told me in the morning, he went with me. He woke up in the middle of the night to something really tall scratching at the side of our big boxy family tent. He saw a long-fingered impression being made on the nylon that slowly slid down the side, slow and deliberate. He said that he laid still and watched it, and then it stopped and moved away to other tents. He heard scratching at other tents, too. Even though I didn't see this, I can't shake the feeling that it was the same weird thing from the months before. That it either followed me somehow, or there's multiple of them. I can't decide which option scares me the most. 
I also had that scream to go off of, and I swear it's the most haunting and unearthly thing I've ever heard. I don't even live anywhere with huge forests nearby. I live in central Illinois, in a neighborhood, a good drive away from deep woods. I don't know what that thing was, or why it was in my window, or what it wanted, but I saw it. You don't have to believe me. I don't expect anyone to. I'm only sharing my story. If you don't believe me, please don't be demeaning. I'm not stupid. Edit. The window in question is a good three feet off the ground, and this thing was hunched over. If it stood tall, I'd say it would be about seven, eight feet. I had an encounter with something like this near the old Alton Bridge in Denton, Texas. I had been out there a couple of times, but after dark you felt a very ominous presence set in. At night I would hear something tapping on the trees across the riverbank. It sounded like a hatchet repeatedly chopping away at the oak. I caught figures hiding behind trees in the opposite ends of the riverbanks watching me through my thermal cam. In the pitch black, the closest I got to whatever was out there was when I was hiking with my mom on Mother's Day. After the sunset, my sister got scared and we decided to get out of there as fast as possible. Something was following us in the treetops. You could hear it crawling through, keeping pace with us. It sounded big like a chimpanzee or something. My mom is verified crazy and a heavy believer in the paranormal. She walked directly up to it in the trees and tried to talk to it. The noises that it made I'll never forget. It made a weird guttural noises and then something that sounded like the predator click. I pulled my mom away and got the F out of there. The old Alton Bridge would be a good place to hunt after dark. I'm not too keen on Wendigo lore, but I found my way to this post as a result of something that happened to me recently. I have had countless brushes with paranormal forces or entities, but will not pretend to fully understand any of them. I was staying in a B&B on a recent trip. It was set up like a hostel with regards to the fact that there were multiple, up to four, beds in one room. My room had only two, and after getting in late, I was given a tour of the home, and then I went straight to sleep. I woke up at 2.30 a.m. and knew somehow that I was in a dream state, despite the home being the exact same. I think it was the color change in the room. It was like a blue eyes filter had been applied to my visual field. I could feel myself being pulled as if by a cord of some type, not unlike my one other legitimate experience with an OBE, to the common area or living room of the home. When I arrived in the living area, I felt an overwhelming need to gather my surroundings. Upon turning about the room, I saw a six, seven foot white, as snow, like imagined skin that had never seen the sun, humanoid thing standing behind the catty-cornered couch. Its emaciated appearance, lack of any hair, and hollowed-out jawline were grotesque, but the thing that stood out most was its lips or teeth. The lips were between pale pink and blood red. Now, for the most terrifying part, it started to briskly walk towards me. It finally opened its mouth when it got closer, and what I assume was blood, even assuming this was some messed-up projection of my subconscious began streaming from its lips as it wrestled me to the ground. It definitely seemed like it was trying to bite me, but it was oddly clumsy and I ended up being able to pin this thing on its back and suffocate it via pushing in its windpipe. Immediately after it stopped moving, I felt like I snapped back upstairs. It was like half moving and half floating. I then actually woke up in the bed at 2.36 a.m., in that moment, I felt a rush of terror and that familiar feeling of knowing something or someone is watching you. I distinctly felt something climb into bed behind me. I was laying on my left side and this thing laid down. I could feel the pressure in the bed beside me and proceeded to put its fingers possessively on my side. I stayed frozen until I felt it dissipate. I then went back to sleep. 
I have seen countless shadow people and a few lighter dark energies, what many people would immediately label as angels or demons. But this was a first, just reporting for the time being. Thanks for reading. I was camping at Heart Mountain Hot Springs. At 6.45 a.m. I was leaving my campsite by foot to use the nearest bathroom. The campsite sits above the field overlooking the road that runs west to other campsites. A field creek in the three hot springs pools. As I was walking out of my sight, I looked across the field and saw an animal. It was at least 200 feet away. I thought it was a wild horse, but there are no wild horses in the Hart Mountain National Antelope Refuge. This animal's body was facing me, south, with its head turned slightly to its left. I thought it was a horse because it had a black mane of hair and its body was brown and shiny. It appeared to be about the size of a yearling at first. I say at first because later I saw a human man in the same location. There's a path there from the west campsites that travels to the parking lot by the east campsites, and I now believe the creature was seven feet to eight feet tall. It turned its head right directly toward me, then it turned its body leftward, east and walked across the parking lot toward the bridge across the creek, and I lost sight of it in the trees. It was bipedal. It did not move quickly, walking with its back slightly forward and arms swinging at its sides. I later looked for footprints. The ground was too hardened to find any. I crossed the bridge and walked a little up the creek north, looking for any evidence like hair and could not locate anything. What do you think? My only thoughts are either a person dressed in some kind of ceremonial gear or animal skins, although the height makes that unlikely, or an animal with chronic wasting disease, which also seems unlikely given that it was bipedal.